Welcome to the Kids Music Planet podcast for May 2nd, 2010. I'm your host, Lisa Harper. For this episode, I have opened the vault to bring you our interview with trout fishing in America. In 2008, we had the privilege of having Keith Grimwood and Ezra Eidlett visit our home recording studio to talk about their CD, Big Round World. I say privilege because Keith and Ezra are not only great entertainers, but two of the nicest guys that you will ever meet. So kick back and listen. You're in for a real treat. We are in the studio with Keith and Ezra. Welcome to the Kids Music Planet podcast. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. It's good to be here. We want to talk a little bit about your latest family music release. We have a new CD. It's called Big Round World. And I'll tell you what, if you want to talk about it, Ezra will talk about it like crazy. He is really happy. It I is like a, it too, but he's really happy. It's exactly what you said. It's a family music release. We have music for everybody in the family, from young to old. And um, it's a self-produced album. Um, it's our first full-length self-produced CD. And Keith and I worked... People will come up to us and they'll say, oh, wasn't it so free being with that album? And I say, no, it's more like a five-day-a-week job. <laughs> Keith and I'd get there in the morning. We'd work until the cows went home, and then he'd go home, and I'd keep working. And um, it was a constant and a joyful effort. We just about couldn't drag Ezra out of the studio. He got so involved in it and so excited about it. I... I come into the studio, I last a certain amount of time. You know, four, five, six, seven hours, I'm done. I leave and, you know, Ezra, what are you doing here? Didn't you ever go to sleep? But uh, it was fun doing this uh, this CD. No, so, okay, so, it's a home studio, so is it? Is it it's your house? Our, our, it's at the Trout House. Our, our Trout House offices were once upon a time a, um, a hatching uh, barn for ostrich. They hatched ostrich and rhea eggs there. And when we moved into the house where we live in Arkansas, we created an office space there. Now, our studio is really, really small. We would only have one other musician besides two of us in there at a time. It's just a small room. So uh, it, it required sort of special treatment, but it worked out beautifully. Cool. And I suppose the, the fact that you can be in there as long as you want, you're not paying an hourly fee, might have inspired you to there are a lot work of things. yourselves to death. Economically, it makes a lot of sense. Um, we live in Arkansas, and we can go to work at my house. We've been sitting beside our producer for years, watching what he does, listening to what he does, creating albums, and uh, we felt like it was our time to do it. Ezra is more into the tech side of things than I am. He's into the hands-on, the computer, hands-on, the studio, all that I'm more into the music. I come from more the lyrics side of things and the actual playing of the music. Now, getting it down, recording it, mixing it, and stuff like that, that's more Ezra. Now, I found I was getting more and more into it the more we went on with this project. So, it goes back and forth both ways. Ezra and I, we are a, a team. We work together. Things I'm not good at, those are things he's good at. And we Vice try versa. to... Yeah, and we try to just support each other in our failings. You know, when one of us comes up short, you know, well, I usually... <laughs> okay. But did Speaking you run into any... Uh, Speaking of the music, 
We haven't listened to any of Oh, you want to get on to it? Why not? <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about recording all day long. See? Yeah. Yes, let's listen to some music. Thank what you shall to... we listen to now? Well, let's start with the title track. All around this big round world So many different things to see All around this big round world So many ways to be Every voice helps build the sound In harmony we sing along Our rhythm keeps it moving Keeps it moving on All around the world We are alive alive As different as we are the same Billions of people on this earth No two fingerprints the same so many things to offer, so many things to gain, so much more because we're different than if we were the same. Travel, travel, where do you live? See what the world has to give. All around this big round world, so many different things. To see all around this big round world, so many ways to be. You want to know where that song came from? Yes, please. Thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> That's a collaboration song. Uh, we have a friend, uh, a guy named Luther Gray, plays with a band called Bamboola 2000. And we play all these festivals and stuff, and we keep running into other musicians. Well, Bamboo 2000 is a percussion-based group. You know, they have dancers and they have lots of percussion instruments and stuff like it's this. An Afrocentric uh, band from New Orleans, Louisiana. Great, yeah. great. So Luther and, and his band got with us and we started jamming together at these festivals. And Luther, he's a nice guy, and he says, I've got this idea for a song. And uh, we thought, an idea for a song, that would be cool, what is it? And he said, you know, we all have fingerprints. We all have different fingerprints and they're all different. You know, why are we all trying to be the same? You know, we're, everyone is so different. We shouldn't try to be the same. We're, it's, we're more because of our differences. You should appreciate those differences. So anyway, it was a good idea. And I took, we were flying up to Alaska at the time, right after the festival. And I thought that was a great idea. So I wrote these lyrics. And most of those lyrics I just wrote down. And uh, I gave the lyrics back to Ezra and Luther and by the time we were down in Shreveport, Louisiana, with a festival with him again, Ezra had gone down with his studio, set up a studio and in his room and recorded. They had written this music, and he and Luther were in there playing in the studio. I'm trying to get a good night's sleep. No, get down here, Grimwood. We're having fun. So that's kind of where it came from. I love the guitar sound. It, it sounds just like uh, Paul Simon's Graceland, just yeah, like that Afro pop guitar sound and the you know, percussion. It's just spot on. It's, percussion it's awesome. is something I've been really, really consumed with in the last few years. I've been playing a lot, acquiring instruments just forever, and hand percussion is in particular. To have Luther in the studio with us, who um, he plays djembe and sings with his band, uh, leading the percussion part was tremendous. Um, and in writing it too, I asked Luther to play something, and he just started on his djembe, playing a rhythm, and I listened to his rhythm, and I laid down a guitar part on top of that rhythm, and it made sense. Then Luther was listening to it, and he was looking at Keith's words, and he started singing 
a melody. And you know, that's one of the things that Keith always wonders about. Where does the melody come from? None of us really knows where it comes from. But Luther started singing this melody, and it was beautiful. And we got so excited, we called Keith up and made him come downstairs and uh, played it for him. And That was the writing part of it. Now, later on, for the recording part of it, we actually uh, flew Luther up when he had some time off. And we had him up there in the Trout House Studios. And it was a lot of fun recording with him up there. And that percussion, boy, they the two of them just went nuts on percussion. We, we gave ourselves a space to build a percussion part and let it go. And what fun that was. And that's both of them playing that, too. That's Ezra and Luther playing. Cool. Should, go. should we go on to another song? Sure. Yes, let's. <laughs> when you get dressed. Ah. Keith came over with a, with a lyrical idea for When You Get Dressed, and it had, I think, the world's worst rhyme scheme. <laughs> I have never heard a worse rhyme scheme. Where gold and purple for the Mardi Gras, and red, white, and blue for the 4th of July. I thought, that will never fly. That is Mardi terrible. Gras, 4th of July. <laughs> Mardi Gras in July. How do you rhyme? That is just uh, wrong. That is a southern thing. Well, I'm from Alabama. I guess sometimes it just shows up, you know. But I wrote that down, and I cracked up laughing. I just couldn't stop. So, Ezra always has to top things, I tell you what. He's, he's going to sing this song, and he's doing real good with it. And so he came up with the lines in the last verse, which I think are fabulous. That was, you don't wear a ski mask to the bank. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> I fell over when he came up with that. That's his addition there. No, and, and it took me, you got it. That's a high five, a high five on, on the live podcast. You don't wear a suit in town or go swimming. You don't wear a bathing suit for Thanksgiving You'd look like a turkey and you might get baked With a pumpkin pie and a chocolate cake When you get dressed, think about What you're gonna do when you go out you wear gold and purple for the mighty ground Or red, white and blue for the 4th of July you wear orange and black on Halloween Or a scary mask that'll make them scream When you get dressed, think about What you're gonna do when you go out Oh yeah! There's a time and there's a place Oh yeah! Unless you come from outer space You don't wear boots if you're running a race You don't want breakfast on your face Would you wear shorts to play in the snow Or a coat to the beach in Kokomo When you get dressed, think about what you're gonna do when you go You know, it, it, it took me about 20 minutes uh, to, I, I really, I really was, was not liking that rhyme at all It took me about 20, 20 minutes later, I was laughing I was so excited. I thought it was really fun. And, and we came up with the music and, and, we, and we, we finished it off. This album has been real thrilling. The songs have come quickly and in a different way uh, in terms of content than any of our previous albums. All of our albums, at the very heart of them, strive to be entertaining. So much kids' music uh, thinks that we need to educate, thinks that we need to tell kids how to live and how to tie their shoes and how to do stuff. Our very heart 
entertainment has been the basis. This album, for the first time, we've actually had things to say, messages. And we've, we've sort of purposefully stayed away from that. This is a very organic thing. All these songs are very natural, but I think it's maybe the time of our lives, where we are in this world, that we would have some things to say. Saturday and it's raining, I can't go outside and pray. I can't find a friend to talk to, but I know just what to say. I don't care. I got books to take me flying. I don't care. High up in the sky. I don't care. No, you won't catch me crying, cause I don't care. Wanna swim, but I can't go. Doctor says to keep it dry. I won't sit at home and cry. I don't care. Sometimes that's the way it goes. I don't care. I can still ride my bike. I don't care. I don't get water up my nose. I don't care. But I don't care. Won't sound the same. If someone needs you to be there How would it make you feel If you needed help and just heard I don't care care <laughs> yes we do we do care you know what I like so much about the song I don't care is that the same words that I don't care can mean two different things I mean in one sense this kid in the song is saying you know well I can't I can't do this I can't go have fun but you know I don't care I've got other things I can do I don't care you can't bring me down I don't care because I can still have a good time but then you take those same three words, the I don't care, that were so noble and wonderful about this kid making the best of it, and by the end of it, he's saying, you know, my friend doesn't have any money, he doesn't have any lunch, well, I don't care. And the same three words mean something totally different in that point. We've always been interested in words. Keith, more than anybody in the band, he is, is the lyricist, the lyrical generator. I'm, I'm more the guy that would, would help edit and, and, and change directions. I, I tend to be more the musical generator, and he is the guy that edits and changes directions and adds on with the music. That's sort of the way that works. That's the partnership. That's the co-writing. And co-writing is what we do in our songwriting workshops. We explain our process of writing songs, play a couple of songs that we've written, dissect them, diagram them, show them where the ideas came from, and then after going through the songs, entertaining the kids, and playing the music, we ask them what they think would be a good idea for a song. Because that's where all songs come from. They come from an idea. you got to start with an idea. Then you can build around that idea. Now, when we get with the kids with the workshops at the schools or the libraries or whatever we're at, I take my own role. I take my role of starting with the lyrics 
and I work with the kids about lyrical ideas. And I ask them, what, you know, what, what about, you know, we build. We build the story. We build the song. And uh, Ezra is over there working with the chords and things like that. And then we get all together and sing it. We were working out in Orange County. We were there and doing this songwriting workshop, and the kids came up with an idea to write a song about famous people. Now this we, is this is a we do a vote. <laughs> we tell them we'll write about anything you want. Your ideas are all good. They're all valuable. Famous people was what they voted for. That would be scary. Despicable. <laughs> not interested. Not remotely interested in writing about famous people. Are we talking about TV stars? Who are we talking about? I didn't know. And so I said, okay, finally. Well, if it's going to be famous people, let's narrow it down. Which famous people are we going to be writing about? This one kid said, how about Martin Luther King? I went, really? This other girl says, hey, how about Rosa Parks? I went, okay, now you're talking. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we started writing that workshop with the kids and asking them about these people who are icons of our, of when we grew up. And uh, it was amazing. Yeah. Their that's, perspective that's so was cool. that they started out as children with dreams, just like them. They were in sixth grade and they realized, or fourth grade, or whatever grade they were in, they realized that they were children, and, and that children eventually grew up to become effective, amazing people. Martin Luther King was a great man. Started as a child with great big dreams. He found words that changed people's lives. Said we could live together and we could be friends. Rosa Parks wouldn't back down. Started as a child with great big dreams When they tried to send her to the back of the bus Rosa Parks spoke for all of us If it's not easy to do, you gotta try a little harder If it's tough to learn, you gotta get a little smarter Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks Tried to bring us all together with their big, big hearts Martin Luther King took a hard road It was the only way he could see He didn't walk it all alone He walked that road with dignity Rosa Parks took the same path She helped clear it in her own way It wasn't easy but it had to be done Open that road for everyone come away with little germs of ideas from these songwriting workshops and um, some of those ideas really resonate with us and we're able to expand and build an entire song from that idea. It's rare, and in fact I can't think of any songs we've actually gone into a, a class, come up with an entire idea beginning to end. There have been some really good ideas and when we were in Colorado uh, doing some workshops, we don't keep, hits his normal question. So what do you think would be a good idea to write a song about? And this one little kid said, The Curse of the Spinach.
pretty much in that same voice. The curse of the spinach. And I, that kind of stopped me. I, I didn't know anything about the curse of the spinach. And uh, this is before all that problem with spinach went on, too. You know, yeah, before. Way before that. And uh, I thought it was kind of prophetic once that happened. But anyhow, I thought the curse of the spinach. Well, let's tell a story about spinach. And so we just started getting as outside as we possibly could about a story about how great spinach used to taste and why it doesn't taste good anymore. This is what happened. Spinach cake with spinach sauce used to taste divine. It once was served at parties. Children loved it and ate it all the time. Spinach flakes for breakfast Spinach sprinkles on ice cream Spinach sandwiches in every school lunch Life was just a spinach dream And the dream got ugly The sky turned dark and gray All the other veggies were jealous They cursed the spinach all the good taste went away Now Spinach is served With vinegar Salt and pepper Cheese and hollandaise In lasagna And omelets Quiche and calzone They do everything they can to hide the taste Because now the taste Is ugly All the other veggies Got their way Whenever children are told to eat their spinach, they just scream and quickly run away. In the songs that you write with the kids, I see them a lot of times because I work with kids too in writing, and I see that is a kid idea, like the 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 monkey, the tiger, and me. Oh yes. I would, I would I, I would shy away from that. I would say, oh, that's, I don't know where to go with that. But, you know, the, it sounds exactly like something a kid would come up with. And then you end up with a song that would never have existed. <laughs> it's the truth. They never exist before we get together with them. And the thing is, you listen to a song. When you're writing a song, you listen to what's there. And you really pay attention. You try to make a song have integrity from beginning to end. Tiger and a Monkey and a Me, those are, those are strange concepts. But how would that right. work out? And you take it out and you try to stretch it out and make it actually function as a song. And in, in listening to what you're writing about, it'll tell you what to do. I've, I've heard authors talk about this. You, characters define themselves in books. If you really pay attention to a song, you know that only certain things will be able to happen or certain magical things can happen because we've suspended reality here. So, I mean, you pay attention to the song, it'll kind of tell you where to go. You start with the idea, and then you let the song write itself. And some of the, like you say, sometimes with the kids, they come up with some real outside ideas. You just flow with it. Go as far as you can. Look what followed me home, home from the zoo. It's a great big tiger and a monkey, too. They're the best of friends, friends since they were babies long ago. Hey, look what followed me home They look hungry, can I feed them? They're so cute I wonder, can I keep them? We'll be the best of friends A tiger and a monkey and me 
swinging through the trees, happy as can be. Mess with me, but be the best of friends. A tiger and a monkey and me. A tiger and a monkey and me. The tiger says they named him Elvis, cause he was always kinda chunky. He used to run with cool cats, but now he prefers the monkey. They're the best of friends. Friends since they were babies long ago. He says, oh, <laughs> but what he really means to say is he's very glad to meet you. Can you come out and play? Don't be afraid, it's just a tiger and a monkey and me. Swinging through the trees, happy as can be. Riding on a tiger, no one will mess with me. We'll be the best of friends. A tiger and a monkey and me A tiger and a monkey and me Too good to be true. Keith and I were in Colorado. We were on a long trip and we were too too long away from home. I was at, at this point fairly grumpy, not in a good mood, and we were staying at a bed and breakfast. Now I'm certain it was a lovely bed and breakfast. It was a, a green, ecologically perfect house and but the floors creaked and it was not my house and I didn't have a phone in my room and and I just didn't feel comfortable and it was I was up earlier than everybody else I thought and and I had to go to the bathroom and I'm walking to the to the bathroom and, and the floors are creaking and I'm just not comfortable and I come out and here's Keith standing in the hall big sloppy grin on his face and I'm thinking, I don't even want to talk to Keith. I just want to go back to bed. I don't want to talk to anybody. He's got this little kid look on his face. He says, hey, man, hey, man, come to my room. i got to play you something. And I'm thinking, I don't want to hear anything. I want to go to bed. I don't want to talk to you. I want to go home. I'm tired. And he drags me into his room. And he sits down on the bed. And he sits in a certain way. I don't know if you watch people that sit yoga style, but he folds his legs up in a yoga position and he's got his bass and he's hunched over his electric bass. It's not plugged in and he starts playing this jazzy bass riff and starts telling me a story. And within about, oh, 30 seconds, I was totally hooked and plugged into something that I had never been plugged into before. This is jazz bass and he's speaking a story, a spoken word with bass. We've always stayed away from rap because it would feel just insincere and unreal. But this is spoken word. Keith is a poet as well as a, a, a lyricist. And he's playing jazz music and he's telling the story that is cracking me up. And he started doing this and then he forgot it. The dirty dog <laughs> forgot it. Now, the one thing that Keith does have... Record these things. I'm telling you, he actually wrote down, I guess, a little skeleton bit of, of the bass part that uh, he just wrote the notes down and uh, and he had the words somewhere but he lost them for months and I would <laughs> bug him every week I would bug him okay I want I want that song I want that song that song goes on the album that song goes on the album but not only does it go on the album but now you have to play that song on upright bass it can't be on electric bass because I hear it on upright bass that's mm -hmm. the way it needs to be 
finally he came over and found it and it was a couple days later i mean he didn't have any time to learn it we a couple days later i had him in the studio i had him mic'd up with three different microphones and made him play that song and he played that song to a click track. And then I listened to that song, and I got my bongos out, and I started. I did some finger snapping, and I put bongos down. And then he came, and he spoke on top of that. And then the magic happened. David Renko, our manager's son, came and brought over his saxophone. He plays with the Cape Brothers. He put down a saxophone part that just made my hair stand on end. I I could not believe it. And it was it was every every, every bit of perfect. It was just so great. He would he'd play and he'd get loud. He'd get soft. His dynamics were so in sync with the whole song. This song just transported me. When we worked with other producers, there were always these moments in recording when the song became bigger than anything you had ever done. And other musicians came in and they added their two cents and it became bigger. And I worried in recording this album that perhaps we wouldn't achieve that, you know, being new at this. That's our first production. And when that happened, I just exploded. I called people up all night long that night, and I <laughs> turned it up and I played it over the phone so they could hear it. I don't know how many of my friends I annoyed just playing this song. you got to hear this. The same way I annoyed him that morning. <laughs> and it was his turn. Okay, well, let's. Well, we, we, let's have a question. 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 No, we, we, question. Gotta, no, we don't need to. to we don't need to hear it. Okay, let's play a little bit of the song so they can hear Keith and his poetic voice, but also listen for the the saxophone, which is its own voice. Oh in yeah, definitely. <laughs> I come from a long line of skeptics, and I've always thought that if something seemed too good to be true, then it was probably too good to be true. So one day I was walking down the sidewalk, minding my own business, having a good old time when I came upon a bag, and I thought, if that bag was full of money, it would be too good to be true. So I sat down on the bench, and I opened up the bag, and when I looked inside, sure enough, it was full of money. How much money? I'll tell you lot of money. And I thought, man, what should I do? This seems too good to be true. Yeah, it's just too good to be true. So I hid behind the bench and I waited to see if anyone would come looking for the big bag of money. And sure enough, these two scruffy guys came by and one said to the other, I left the bag right here. If someone found it and gave it back to me, I was going to give them a big reward, like it was a test to see how honest they could be. I peeked at them and I thought, no, you can't fool me. That sounds a little too good to be true. took the money home and I put it in my room, turned on the TV and checked out the news. And they said that sure enough, there had been a bank robbery that very afternoon. But nobody should worry because the bad guys took only funny money. So nothing was really missing. And I thought, that doesn't sound right. That sounds too good to be true. to my 
up the bag, and much to my surprise, I found out it was funny money. The money started talking and telling me jokes. It said, what's green and has wheels? I said, I don't know, and it said, cash. I was lying about the wheels. Well, I quickly shut the bag and thought, man, I know exactly what to do. Hey, because this is just too good to be true. And then I wanted a chance to ask Keith about writing that because um, did, did it just come out of you that way that day or, or you know were you consciously deciding not to write a song a, a more um, traditional you know verses that rhyme let me tell you what, the way I write I, I write in both really a disciplined way and a totally undisciplined way I find that I have to do both in writing lyrics I uh, subscribe to the, the deal of getting up early in the morning and trying to get things down on paper before your brain starts working. I try to write free form early, early in the morning. And I write down my dreams. I just write down anything that comes and I don't let the pen stop, even if I have no ideas. And that, I sometimes go back and look at that stuff later, find what I like, and then I organize that. That particular morning, I was on a roll. Something about that dream that night, about the words too good to be true. And you know, I tell you, I love it when our language breaks down. Well, that's too good to be true. Well, that's wonderful. Wait, that's too good to be true. That can't be true. See, it means something so different. And I don't know, the pen, and I just started telling myself a story as fast as I could. And that almost came out literally just like that with very few corrections. I looked at it later and tried to figure out how to make that into a rhyming poem. Can't do it. I couldn't do it. It was a story. So I just cleaned it up a little bit and decided to leave it as a story. But I, the night before, Excellent I had been working choice. on that jazzy bass line. And I was working on kind of a few scales, like a little whole tone stuff, and just kind of messing around with the bass. And I thought, man, i got to put those two together. So that comes from a disciplined study of the bass at a totally undisciplined writing session early in the morning. Cool. Cool. What have we not talked about yet? Pearl? Pearl. Pearl's real. Pearl is real. She's, she's my boxer. And um, we... We're just I Keith came over with some words again. There's he a came over with words. Well, see what happened. Ezra and Karen were discussing a lot of things about how to raise Pearl. Now, one of the discussions was where does Pearl sleep? Can Pearl sleep in the bed or on the floor? There are two kinds of people in this world, and one says it's okay for the dog to be on the bed, and one says no. Now that didn't really make it to the song, but there was a lot of discussion going on about how to raise a puppy. And they kept talking about it and talking about it. And I just kept listening to them. So I went home, and when I woke up that morning, I started writing about puppies, you know, and how to raise a puppy. So I come over, and Ezra's got some chords, and I've got some words. Well, there's our little inspiration right there. So we actually got Pearl to sing on the song with us. And that, if you get the CD, you can see a picture of Pearl there on the CD. Singing into the microphone. And <laughs> she actually barks. It's, it's pretty fun. And... uh and, and my wife, Karen, and Patty, who works for us, came in and they sang the call and response. And, and that song is just the beginning of what it's going to be live. Um, the call and response has just taken a real heavy left turn. And we haven't actually even played it in front of an audience yet, but it's taken a heavy left turn. So right. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, this is about the happiest song. Just It just sounds so happy. It is. Pearl's a happy dog. I'll play mandolin on that song. 
good. That's probably why it's so happy. It is happy. <laughs> There's a puppy on the front porch barking at me, wagging her tail and nipping my feet. Where did she come from? I don't care. I think she found the home right here. Whoa. Gonna call her Pearl, mostly white with a little brown swirl, great big paws and a tail that curls. Best little puppy in the whole wide world. Whoa, 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 whoa. I feed her in the morning, walk her outside, scratch her tummy when she starts to cry, throw her a stick, toss her a ball, she'll come running when I call. It's a good thing that puppies are cute Pearl chewed a hole in my new boot Made a few mistakes when I turned my back I cleaned them up, put them in a sack Didn't Pearl sing that beautifully? <laughs> she was great. Let's talk a little bit about the last song on the CD. And uh, this just has a beautiful, distinctive musical bed to it that I just love. Keith and I had the most unusual job opportunity. <laughs> the Dallas, that always happens to us. The, the Dallas Ukulele Society asked if they couldn't send some of their members up to to perform with us. Ukulele? Ukulele. That's how ukulele. Some we hear say in the South say ukulele, Mm -hmm. but it's a ukulele. And um, the little bitty Hawaiian instrument, it's four string, um, looks like a guitar, but it's it's, it's a really sweet instrument. Yeah, exactly. My dog has fleas. So they they came out and they sat in, they they, they played a couple of our songs with us. It was a lot of fun. And at the end of playing our songs with us, they bestowed an ukulele on us. Which meant we were then driving through Texas with, with uh, Keith driving, and I had the ook in my hand. And the song, the, the notes just fell out of my fingers. Really comfortable, a different sort of style music uh, than I had ever played before, but it just, it was there, and that's what happened. And as I'm playing this, Keith is listening to it, and he says, You know, I, I got some words, I've been laying around for a while, I think they kind of fit with what you're doing. I said, but you'd have to sing it, you know, because it's just definitely not in my range, my register. You'll have to sing it. And we took it to Nashville. And we got with our our producer, the guy that produced our last few albums before this one, Fred Bogert, and started playing it for him. And he had an old nylon string guitar laying around in the studio. And he picked it up. And he had tuned it down for something. And uh, he, it, was, it was pitched really low. And... I'm playing, and he, he, he just gets this look on his face. He kind of goes into another world, and he starts playing that nylon guitar part. And it just was one of those, again, moments where you're sort of transported. Uh, the percussionist, the guy who's played on a lot of our albums before, uh, Chris Munson, laid down some very interesting percussion. It almost feels like cicadas on a summer night. Just lovely percussion. Long ago, once upon a time, there was a day we all were five. Dreams were likely, impossibles were might be, and 
every door open wide. Wandering down the winding road, it's raining dogs and cats. Trying to buy what I've been sold, questioning the questing map. What to do or not to do, try to be prepared. But whenever I'm confused, I sit back and take myself there. Long ago, and once upon a time, there was a day we all were five. Dreams were likely, impossibles were might be. Every door opened wide. Some people get important. Some folks fall behind. Most of us meet in the middle. Most of the time, that's just fine. Sometimes we get lonely. Sometimes we get scared. But whenever I'm confused, I sit back and take myself there. Long ago, and once upon a time, there was a day we all were five. Dreams were likely, impossibles were might be. Every door open wide. Those words came from a poem oh, that I wrote, and it's pretty much, pretty much the straight poem. But that's a game that I play, that I've always played my whole life. I, I tend to get really insecure sometimes. I'll be riding in an elevator, and all of a sudden I look around and I go, oh gosh, everybody here knows what they're doing except me. <laughs> and I just get this insecure feeling. I go, okay, fine. Snap your fingers. Everybody's five. And... If everybody's five, I can remember what they, I can, t I can think of what you were like when you were a five-year-old. I can tell, you know, and you, yeah, so you're a beautiful woman, but when you were five, you know, and all of a sudden, everything makes sense. Everything kind of gets back on even terms, and if you can just take it back, you can see, you can remember who everybody was and where we all came from, and it seems to help me make sense of things whenever things get insecure. Yeah. Cool. Well, this has been awesome, you guys. Uh, thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed our interview with Trout Fishing in America and hearing clips from their Big Ground World CD. For more information about Trout Fishing in America, please visit their website at www.troutmusic.com. For more information about the Kids Music Planet podcast, please visit our website at kidsmusicplanet.blogspot.com where you'll find our show notes, past episodes, and purchase links to all our featured music. Until next time, thanks for listening.